Servant, we see Jesus um, have to go through Samaria. At least that's the way that the Apostle John puts it in his Gospel. That Jesus had to go through Samaria, not because the roads went that way, not because um, anything else compelled him, other than the fact that he had to meet this woman at the well. We'll see that especially in our Gospel lesson today. The service is outlined for you in your service folder. We'll begin with our opening hymn, number 283. Then we'll continue in the front part of your red hymnal on page 38. God bless your worship.
continue in the very front portion of your red hymnal on page 38. Please rise. Page 38. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We have come into the presence of God who created us to love and serve him as his dear children, but we have disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to his will. In the peace of this forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty God, you see that we have no power to defend ourselves. Guard and keep us both outwardly and inwardly from all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. You may be seated for the reading of God's Word. Our first reading comes from Genesis chapter 12, reading the first eight verses. The Lord calls Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country and away from your relatives and from your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse anyone who dishonors you. All of the families of the earth will be blessed in you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarai, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people that they had acquired in Haran, 
and they set out to travel to the land of Canaan. Eventually, they arrived in the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land until he came to the Oak of Morah at the place called Shechem. The Canaanites were in the land at that time. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. Abram built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. He moved on from there to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent there with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and proclaimed the name of the Lord. This is the word of our God. We continue with our psalm for today, Psalm 121, as found on page 112 in the front of your hymnal. Our second lesson from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 4. Faith is simply receiving the grace of God by trusting in his promises. And this faith God credits to us as righteousness, referring back to our first reading from Genesis 12. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered according to the flesh? 
If indeed Abraham had been justified by works, he would have had a reason to boast, but not before God. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to a person who works, his pay is not counted as a gift, but as something owed. But to the person who does not work, but believes in the God who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. Indeed, the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not given to Abraham or his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness that is by faith. To be sure, if people are heirs by the law, faith is empty, and the promise is nullified, for law brings wrath. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. For this reason, the promise is by faith, so that it may be according to grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's descendants, not only to the one who is a descendant by law, but also to the one who has the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Our theme verse is printed for you there. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of our gospel. Our gospel reading from John chapter 4. Jesus had to be here, not because of travel plans, convention, or expectation, but because of his mission to save all people. So he, that is Jesus, came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the place, piece of land Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Then Jesus, being tired from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, she said, You don't even have a bucket, and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his animals. Jesus answered her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I will give him will never be thirsty ever again. Rather, the water I will give him will become in him a spring of water, bubbling up to eternal life. Sir, give me this water. The woman said to him, so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus told her, Go call your husband and come back here. I have no husband, the woman answered. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say, I have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews insist that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will not worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, because salvation is from the Jews. But a time is coming, and now is here, when the real worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
for those are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, the one called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus said to her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus. You may be seated for our next hymn, number 391, God Loved the World So That He Gave.
Dear fellow redeemed, we consider briefly our reading from the book of Romans, chapter 4. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, so let's all praise the Lord. So the children's song goes. And each successive verse has the singer waving one arm and then another arm and then a leg and then the other leg and then your head and pretty soon everybody is dancing around the campfire before it's like, I'll dance around, sit down. Father Abraham had many sons and daughters. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. The simple truth that God unpacks for us with quite a bit of depth and so today we, we gather and we ask, what is it that we're supposed to learn from Father Abraham? What is it that we're supposed to learn from him? And that question really gets to, to the heart of our Christian faith, and it's especially appropriate here at the beginning of the season of Lent, and it is also quite appropriate in these last days of our world's existence. Because as you know, Judgment Day is right around the corner. We don't know which day, we just know that it will come unexpectedly like a trap. And if you've been paying attention during our Revelation Bible study on Sunday mornings, then you know, you know that during these last days, there will be intense spiritual distress as we'll see in today's study of Revelation chapter 11, there will be hypocrites within God's church, those who lead away from Christ, at least within God's visible church, and that even as bad as persecution may get from the outside, the worst problems for God's people come from within the visible church, that is, those who call themselves Christians. So that question, what should we learn from our father, Abraham? You could almost put it a little bit different way, give a little bit of a slightly different twist. And to get at that answer, I've got a different one. What's the most offensive doctrine, teaching, in all of Scripture? What's the most offensive teaching in all of Scripture? And brows furrowed and the gears start turning. Well, <laughs> Wisconsin Synod, so it's probably a fellowship thing. Well, maybe it's the whole um, way God designed men and women to interact laid out in Genesis 2. Or maybe it's the idea that there is a literal seven-day seven day creation and a loving God who created the world that way. Or coming from a different angle, the most offensive doctrine or teaching in all of Scripture, maybe that Jesus is the way and the only way and the truth and the only truth and the only place where one can find life. Well, that's pretty offensive. And just taking that short list, it's very easy to see. Thinking back to the very first one, fellowship, that teaching. The idea that, that our witness to the world is part and parcel of our celebration together. Inerrancy of God's word, 
the fact that Scripture is true and applies to all people of all time. But pastor, don't you think that the Bible sounds a little out of step and backwards and that it really shouldn't apply today? What kind of uh, bigot are you? What's the most offensive teaching in Scripture? The sacraments? Holy baptism? Holy communion? Absolutely offensive to our human reason that you mean this cute and cuddly baby (laughs) on the one hand is spiritually dead and needs to be born again? Or on the other hand, that I as an adult coming to faith can't make a decision to come to faith on my own? That I can do nothing? That our Lord gives us his body and his blood in with and under the bread and the wine? I thought Jesus was in heaven. Of course he is. But by his promise, he is present there too, just as he said. And it doesn't take very long before you can step back and set aside even what Paul has said here and think, oh my goodness, what in the world are we, do we believe? Because every single doctrine, every single teaching seems to contradict how I feel and how I think as a person and as if to say that this shouldn't apply to me. It's almost like my very heart is rising up, shaking a fist at God. Absolutely not, Lord. This does not make sense. Just step it down for me a little bit. Just dial it back a little bit. At least give me something that I can believe and hold on to and trust. We haven't even gotten to the most offensive part yet. Maybe it's God's law. The law of God that always stands there accusing That when it shows up as a mirror and we see ourselves as God sees us, it's distressing and it's discomforting. And when we see the the rule that I have not lived up to that, God's law condemns me at every point. Be holy. I look in the mirror. Well, all of a sudden how I felt about myself and thought about myself is set aside because either God is lying about me or he's not. And my conscience says that he's not. Talk about offensive. But perhaps the only thing more offensive than God's law The only thing, the only teaching that every other teaching of Scripture leads to and points to and connects to is the gospel. You know that. And that's a word that perhaps we we use, oh, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. What it is, is this, that God had you in mind before he created the world, and that he brought you in brought you to faith through his sacrament and through his word at his particular time, and that when he declared the sins of the world forgiven in Jesus, he made made that your very own treasure when he brought you to faith. And all of this without your own thinking or doing or choosing or feeling or based on your life change or any of that. And most offensive part of all, that Jesus washed away your sins and my sins 
and the sins of everybody on death row. And he paid for the sins of the Pharisees who rejected him. He paid for all the sins of the people who, even now, are eternally separated from God. Which is to say, coming at it from a different direction, that there's nothing about us involved in our forgiveness. Whoa. Offensive. Yeah, God's law is offensive because we rebel at it at every opportunity, at least the sinful heart does. Like Jesus had spoken to Paul when he was on the road to Damascus, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. That is to say, the sinful heart kicks back at God at every single point. And even in the gospel, even in the gospel, that, that heart hates what God has to say. You mean, I don't, I don't get to share in any of the glory that this is not any part of what I have done, that it wasn't even my choice to, to get up and go to church that particular day, that, that becoming a Christian was entirely God's work? Absolutely. And just the barest glimpse of the teachings of Scripture leads us to see what God knows and what you and I know, at least deep down. Within the heart, there's the constant battle between the Christian life of faith and that sinful nature that wants to take as much credit as it can, that wants to divert us away from Jesus as soon and as quickly as possible, and far away from him, accusing us. Christian, <laughs> you don't measure up. Christian, you've got to do something. And to all that, we gather it up and bring it to the book of Romans. We see here, that we have a God who justifies the ungodly. Okay, cool. <laughs> but what does that mean? We have a God who declares you and me not guilty. That even though he knows the truth as well we do, that even though the, the sinful nature constantly rebels against God and hates every single teaching of Scripture, and will chink away and pick away at the, the teaching of God, trying to undermine it at every single point. And even though there's this constant battle, when God looks at you, He's declared you to be His own, in spite of us. That's the truth. That... The God who justifies the ungodly has justified you and me. Has said, yes, I know your sin. I know the, the struggle. I know the rebellion. I know the, the hurdles of, of the mind and the heart that war against everything my word has to say. God says, I know all that because I washed it away. The doubt the worry, the wondering, the anxiety, drowned in the blood of the Lamb. You see, and the point that he makes 
what should we learn from our father Abraham? That we had nothing to do with that. That our lives didn't matter. That is, it didn't matter what we did or left undone. It didn't matter who our father was or wasn't. The fact that you are a human being is also the fact that your God shares your human flesh. Even today, eyes, nose, fingers, toes, the Son of God gathered up our sin, placed it upon himself, and drowned them in the depths of the sea. Your sin is forgiven. And the picture that God uses here, verse 16, the promise is by faith that it may be according to grace. God could have said, all you have to do is just wear red on every Tuesday for your entire life and you'll go to heaven. He could have said, all you have to do is help five people across the street sometime before you die. He could have lowered the bar even further and said, all it takes is one glass of cold water to someone who is thirsty, one time in your entire life, and that is the condition for you to enter heaven. And God didn't even say that. God didn't even say that. Because at every point, there would have been doubt. Well, did my parents look at the calendar when I was a baby? <laughs> well, did I actually help someone across a busy enough street? Does the dirt road count as a street? Was that person thirsty enough? God says, all of that is not the reason and not the way that you stand firm and forgiven. It is by faith, by grace, received through faith. And the picture is that of Abraham. Most specifically, the fact that Abraham is your father and mine. The promise is guaranteed to Abraham's descendants as he goes on in verse 16. Abraham is the father of us all. Not that you and I have, have Abraham's blood coursing through our veins as so many of the, well, all the Jewish people did. And Jesus makes verse 16 obvious in John chapter 4 when he goes to that woman who isn't a Jew. At best, she's like, like half a Jew. But he says, the promise is by faith. And it comes to you through the living water. That is, the word of Jesus. This gets to the, the heart and core of what it means to be, to be a Lutheran, to be a Christian. That God has promised, absolutely promised, to create faith and to sustain faith in his word and his sacrament. So the reason we come to church is simply to hear the word of God. And then to proclaim that word of God, that the Spirit may continually bring us closer to Jesus, may, may nourish us with the water of life. The reason that we gather together is to proclaim to one another, dear friend, this is the Jesus we worship. The reason we have teachings like fellowship or the doctrine of creation or any of that stuff, well, yeah, because it's in the Bible. But most of all, because there... God has promised to bless his people. As 
as God's people gather together around the word, they celebrate this family that we now share, that you and I have the same father, this father Abraham. That means you and I, <laughs> by the grace of God, have the same brother, our Lord Jesus Christ, who shared our humanity and who even was a physical descendant of Abraham. And that you and I have this promise guaranteed to us. It takes away any thought of, of your standing with God based upon your own decision or your life change. And it also discludes any thought of of subtracting from the Word of God. Because, yeah, those teachings may be and will always be offensive to the sinful flesh. Sinful flesh hates everything that God has to say, even the Word of the Gospel. But in those teachings, we see another aspect of God's grace. He says, trust me, this is for your good. Trust me, the fellowship that I've brought together here is a group of, of people that is closer to you than a real family. The spiritual family that Christ has built you into is this spiritual building to the glory of God. That the, the teachings of the sacrament, the word of God, of original sin, you can just go right on down the list at every point, at every point we see that our Lord has given us grace and promised grace, whether it's an answer to our deepest need, the sin that we were born with and we couldn't decide our way out of it, or in celebration of that, as Christ gives us his forgiveness again, and we even celebrate the fellowship we have with one another. The promise that God made is planted home again and again. Because that promise is guaranteed by grace, through faith, and that faith is created and sustained through God's own word. That's what Jesus says, the living water. So how does this all come together? Well, picture that um, came to mind. Maybe when you were a kid, you went to... Uh, your grandfather's house or your grandma's house for the holidays. Maybe you went over the field and through the woods. Maybe it was just around the block. But it's in some way, you know what it means to, to travel to visit somebody that you miss or somebody that you love. And you know the, the waiting and the expectation, the are we there yet and can we please stop at McDonald's here and Dad, I have to go to the bathroom. We're all very well acquainted with that. But as long as the journey may be, as long as the journey may be, all of the effort and all of the time spent traveling there and all of the time spent reassuring ourselves and remembering, oh yeah, the GPS is pointing this way, the map is pointing this way, we'll be at Grandma's house soon. All of that time is immediately worth it. When the tires crunch onto the driveway, Grandma opens the door, the waft of apple pie wafts out the door, perhaps baseball or football on the television, and you know you're home. 
You know that this is the place where you belong. Abraham is the father of us all because we share in the same faith as Abraham. Just that right now, we're on the journey. Right now, it might be going 30 miles an hour, maybe 60 miles an hour. Maybe you're a little bit closer to Grammar's house than I am, so to speak. Father's house. Maybe, maybe when you get there, it'll be with a whole busload of people as though we all arrive at the same time at the same place on Judgment Day, or maybe it's just a single-seater. But you're going to the same place. To heaven. Because you share in the same faith as Abraham. That Jesus, that faith that says Jesus has washed away your sin. And this is your personal treasure, not because you have earned or deserved it, but only through the holy precious blood of our Lord, made yours and brought home by the word of God. So, perhaps the picture... Eventually the door opens. Jesus is there. Abraham's there welcoming another child home by faith. Father Abraham had many sons and daughters. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I invite you to turn to page 41 in the very front portion of your red hymnal. And on page 41 we'll join in confessing the facts of our faith in the Apostles' Creed. Page 41. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated as we worship the Lord with our offering.
I invite you to turn to page 42 in the very front portion of your red hymnal, where you will find our responsive prayer of the church. Page 42, please rise. We pray. Lord God, our maker and preserver, we praise and thank you for all that you give us day after day. You have given us your precious word to nourish our souls and to protect us from the temptations of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. Heavenly Father, we pray that you shield us from every kind of danger, such as sudden catastrophe, the terrors of crime, and the pain of disease. Watch over those who travel by land, sea, and air. Keep our loved ones from whatever perils may threaten them. Bless our land, our people, and those who hold offices of high trust. Keep our government and schools strong and upright for the advancement of good citizenship and useful vocations, that we may enjoy your gifts of peace, security, and well-being. And Lord God, we ask that you give us patience, understanding, and love in all family interactions. Give us joy and delight in our homes and relationships and among the fellowship of our church. Help fathers and mothers provide not only for the physical and material needs of their children, but also especially for their spiritual needs. And hear us, Lord, now as we bring you our private petitions. We bring these requests before you in the name of Jesus, our Lord, and we ask you to hear us. Take all that we have, our bodies and minds, our time and skills, our ministries and offerings, and use them to your glory. And we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated for our next hymn, number 286.
Please rise for our closing prayer. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, pour out the Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us strong in your grace and truth. Protect and comfort us in all temptation. And bestow on us your saving peace through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. 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 You may be seated for our closing hymn.
Good morning once again. Special welcome to the guests worshiping with us today. The announcements are listed for you there, and your Bible study or your um, bulletin insert has the reading schedule. I thought we'd just keep going with this, and um, I'll <laughs> keep putting them up on the podcast. You can find that Green, green Pastures with Jesus in your podcast app. Uh, any questions, let me know, and God bless your week. <laughs>